coming soon to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I'm joined by a real piece of shit, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, I don't actually care how you're feeling. Where's, uh, where's your pep, Mike? Where's, where's the pep in your step? I have, a, I have a short prepared statement I'd like to make. Okay, I'm open to it. Please take the floor. Madison Jones, you remind me of Chandler Bing. You made me watch a shitful movie full of innocence and bad writing and then tasked me with stripping the innocence out of a sequel. I hated this movie and I wished I was dead while watching it. I at least paid you the compliment of picking a movie that wasn't literal hell. However, I'm a professional amateur movie pitcher and thus, when this pre-written statement is over, I will not slag off this clear pimping of Hilary Duff's singing voice and mild, at best, chemistry with adam lamberg i will thwart your attempts to punish me i shall fight in france i shall fight on the seas and oceans i shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air i shall defend my pitch whatever the cost may be i shall fight on the beaches i shall fight on the landing grounds i shall fight in the fields and in the streets i shall fight in the hills i shall never surrender you also made me have the Lizzie McGuire wiki open in a tab next to a speech made by Winston Churchill, so you're also probably an enemy of the British crown by now, FYI. <laughs> Thank and fuck you. Sincerely, Mike Noll. I have only one thing, one response to that, and it is, could I be any more not sorry? <laughs> you know I can't stay mad at you. <laughs> I am very excited for uh, this week. So, so excited. As a reminder to uh, longtime fans, last week, Madison dropped their first challenge, which was to create a sequel to the Lizzie McGuire movie that was a murder mystery in which one of the main cast was killed. Yes, I challenged Mike to do this, and I... It's it's kind of a win and loss because I too had to watch the Lizzie McGuire movie this week. That's the only solace I took the entire yeah. time I was watching it was Madison also has to do this. Yeah, to be for me, it was pretty like unremarkable. I I only like it was just I don't know. I said I wasn't going to slag it off, so I guess more of just like structurally speaking, it was like in your mind. I'm going to do a very brief synopsis before I start my pitch, but basically just keep the in your mind think lizzie uh fucks off she's dazzled by an italian pop star gordo looks forlorn and that's pretty much the entire middle of this movie last night i did a uh, message mike because as i was doing like research on like trivia and just like uh, like research about this movie i did come upon uh, adam lamberg's imdb page which i ask you listeners to put down the podcast go and look Adam Lambert's IMDb page and the picture that is used. It's not a picture of him. It's a picture of a reporter's arm holding a microphone that's aiming at him. But the framing of it is just the arm of the reporter asking him a question or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty it, It's pretty hilarious. The dude just can't catch a break. <laughs> so, Madison, I did not like this movie. And I'm not sure if you did, but I would suspect there were people who did. You'd be surprised. Yeah, let me read a few reviews that I have. Some some choice ones. A lot of them, like, the Lizzie McGuire movie is definitely a nostalgia film for a lot of people, you know? So, I mean, it's no Alley Cat Strike. Yeah. 
exactly or any of the xenon movies yeah or brink yeah. i promise i'm done listing disney's fan original movies now so i'm gonna i have four reviews um two of them are very short uh just two very things i want to touch on sure i found one review that is titled dancers hello i was just wondering if anyone could help me this is in a review section sure how many stars did this get do you know I don't even see the stars. No, they didn't even put any okay. stars. They just put this okay. in a random review section. Okay. And I'm just wondering, does anyone have any information about the dancers at the end of the movie? I really like them. I thought Lizzie Maguire movie was only okay, but I really like the dancers. Does anyone know where, what, who they are and uh, where I can find more work by them? <laughs> uh, that was one review. Um... I'm running this on behalf of every sane person in the universe. Ahem. There is a clears, clears throat and like stars, you know. This movie was one of the most pathetic, worthless, hopeless sellout pieces of unoriginal Disney monkey poo. <laughs> exclamation point. I have ever seen exclamation point. First of all, I know the show. I have a sister and she watches the show and... We won't talk about anything else about that, uh, but it's basically a movie about this girl who wants to be a pop sensation. I saw the movie as a free ticket deal with my sister, and right after that, we would cleanse ourselves from that movie and go see Matrix Reloaded, <laughs> which ruled. Uh, <laughs> I'm skipping some stuff because he says some like pretty like garbage, like sexist shit. So. I've, I've skipped a bunch of shit and yeah. like that in reviews before. So back to the movie though. Everything was MTV cliches. I couldn't stand it. I had an MST3K this movie, and I yelled out a few good ones, mind you, in the theater. I had the entire plot set out in my mind before the even movie even started, and I was 100% right. Wow, that's there are a few twists. I use that term very lightly. That would have been very specific to call. Yeah, like the thing with the... Well, We'll get into it in like the synopsis or whatever. Yeah, like vaguely, but yeah. yeah. The thing with the pop star being the yeah, real the star like, pop star along. double double twist. Yeah, it's my favorite brand of gum. Pop star double twist. This movie was ninety minutes of unoriginal, unimaginative, cliched brain cell killing crap. No, my night was salvaged when I went to see Reloaded. Agent Smith rules. <laughs> so. Was this the same review, or was this a separate this review? This is the same review. I was going to say, what, uh, was this two reviews of people who watched the Lizzie McGuire movie and then went to go see The Matrix Reloaded? Yeah. I legitimately skipped a large portion of him being very sexist and very, sure. like, kind of demeaning to this, like, 14-year-old actress yeah. at the time. Yeah. And this is this one is a negative review, this next one, uh, mm. but it is I kind of like it. And it's titled, What? I thought this was Inspector Gadget. Yes, the logo at the beginning fooled me into thinking this was another Inspector Gadget flick. Oh well, what can I say? It's a kind of a low-down theatrical version of a wonderful TV show. Um, my mom liked it a lot. There were tons of flaws here, though. I mean, this movie is nothing like the show itself. We had tons of OMGs and uh, something to... Uh, su <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm skipping that part. I'm sorry. It, it's nonsensical. He, he mentioned sure. he mentions Bush supporters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, might as well. Yeah, there are tons of flaws here. The whole aviation thing was all wrong here. Living near one of the biggest airports in the world, if they were flying 
Lutfanza out of LAX, how come the ticket ticketing area wasn't big and green? Why were there Air Canada planes all over the terminal across from them when there should be American American airline aircrafts? <laughs> I'm going to give this 1 out of 10. Not enough cussing, too much kissing, no story, and questionable aviation content. This is a bad flick. I like, I mean, I want to say, first of all, how refreshing it is that none of our reviews were definitely from potential murderers. Yeah, absolutely. This week. Uh, but we did have this person just talk about how there wasn't enough kissing in a movie starring 14 year olds. Yeah. I, I just like how we talked about the aviation. Like, <laughs> yeah. This, like, because he obviously has been to that airport they were flying out of, I guess. And he's like, that's totally not it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, in Groundhog Day that one of the reviews I, I cut that I had found was just like, this is definitely not Punxsutawney. I've been there. That's not Punxsutawney. Like, that was their whole review. Gave like three stars because it wasn't actually Punxsutawney. God. Anyway. We can't live in the past forever. I think it's time we get this done. Yeah. Which is a great way to start comedy. Yes, it is. Let's just, let's just, let's just get it over with. I have two things to open with, like, just real quick. One, just assume animated Lizzie is sprinkled in throughout here because it's mostly reaction shots and, like, her doing bits about how Lizzie's like, if she says one thing, but really feels another, it's that. And that really seemed like the most tedious thing to write into this pitch. Mm-hmm. So I did. So just kind of like it is in, in, you know, when this actually gets made in the past, it's <laughs> like set directly after the first one, there are scenes with animated Lizzie. My original, well, I'll get to that in a second. Well, I'll get to that now. Originally I was going to kill Gordo because <laughs> Because I thought, well, they have their, like, love connection at the end of the first movie. And it would make sense that, you know, finally they're together and then you take Gordo away. And that would, and my idea was it was going to, through her grief, she was going to actually for the first time conceive of and see animated Lizzie. Oh, God. And so animated Lizzie, was, and they, she was going to interact with the animated Lizzie McGuire in this one. Okay. But... Over time, that didn't really work, especially because that wasn't really a love connection. They had a weird, awkward 14-year-old kiss on a roof yeah. and then left, and it just wasn't working out. So um, so I re- quickly retooled, and I stopped, and I thought, like, what was at the heart of this movie? Like, what was this movie about? And uh, one, it was Disney capitalizing on a successful TV property. Mm-hmm. And two, it was very obviously a boost to Hilary Duff's burgeoning music career. Yep. So... I did the same thing, but for Adam Lambert. <laughs> so His. Uh, I'm going to finish this. See if you can guess what 100% factually accurate career path Adam Lambert wanted boosted in this movie. Okay. So that being said, I'm now going to halt all that momentum and do a very quick synopsis. Got it. So the Lizzie McGuire focuses on Lizzie McGuire. Uh, she's going through junior high graduation, which is definitely a thing every middle school does. At the ceremony, she embarrasses herself. Luckily, she's going to Rome with a pre-high school school trip under the watchful eye of Miss Unkermeyer, Alex Borstein. In Rome, Lizzie is mistaken for a pop sensation Isabella, who she's identical to. So much so that you'd think they were both played by Hilary Duff. With the other Hilary doing a really bad, bad, bad Italian accent. That's kind of a theme of this one, other than the star. The other guy. So Lizzie spends the movie sneaking out to be with Isabella's former partner, Paolo, with the help of her best friend and other half in longing looks that and junior high appropriate sexual tension, Gordo, voiced by Adam Lambert. 
voiced by played by adam lambert <laughs> oddly enough uh <laughs> the, the the voice of gordo was played by uh, gene simmons <laughs> Lizzie agrees to stand in for Isabella at an award ceremony, then upgrades that to singing, but really lip sync because that's how Isabella performs. And covering for Lizzie, Gordo basically has to tell Ungermeyer he's sneaking out. He gets sent home, but at the airport he runs into the real Isabella. Together they get to the event and tell Lizzie it's a trap. Paolo is the one who lip syncs, and in a plan I still don't really understand, he's going to embarrass Lizzie so everyone will think he can sing well and Isabella can't. Like his plan, I'm still very vague on how his plan worked out it was the most confusing and low stakes double cross i think yeah i think i think maybe like they didn't know how to like end the movie or something like they had like okay well lizzie lizzie's gonna go to rome and she's gonna fall in love with this like italian dude and but really she's gonna realize that she loves gordo all along and it's gonna keep being why don't you try she gets swept up in this yeah italian adventure and Mm -hmm. Luckily, Lizzie is also a great singer, and they thwart Paolo by cutting off his music so that everybody can tell he's not a good singer and he lip syncs. <laughs> Which, okay, if you were lip syncing, would you be also singing yourself? I don't think so. I think you would but just also, be moving your mouth to the words, right? Why, why was he singing at well, all? Well, he did, but he did. But then when they cut off the lip syncing, he tra- like, tried to cover, I think. Oh, is that what they were trying to but do? But like, also, who's singing his part in the, the pre-recorded shit? I have no idea. Like, it was Gordo, I guess. It was Um, Gordo. Yeah. So, luckily, Lizzie is also a great singer, and Isabella lets her perform alone at an international event, somehow. With tons of people that were here to see her. Exactly. Like, she sang a little bit and then fucked off so Lizzie could perform a very, a very involved song and dance routine that she learned in, like, a day and a half. Yeah. With basically, it was, like, basically a duet with herself. Which is yeah. very, it was very odd. Which they they harmonized it oddly well, I yeah. thought at least. A fact that I um, learned by looking up trivia for this is, mm-hmm. I think the voice, like the singing voice for Isabella, was actually her sister, uh, like okay. Hilary Duff's sister, Haley sure. Haley Duff, who was also mm-hmm. a singer. So they sound similar, but not exactly alike. So like. Lizzie didn't sound exactly like Isabella when she sang. Also, her brother has a really weird and nebulous blackmail B plot that involves tricking his parents to take him to Italy. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, Gordo and Lizzie sneak off from this really lavish party to go to the roof and look at Rome and then have a little Disney appropriate roof smooch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are one or two minor points that don't really warrant going into here, but when they come up and are vaguely relevant to my pitch, I'll elaborate. Cool. All right. So that's the synopsis. We begin with the title, as most movies do. And this we'll come back to this title at the end. Okay. The Lizzie McGuire movie 2, Who Done It. Okay. So Lizzie and Gordo return from the rooftop kiss to the party. Is this happening directly after? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Straight out of the elevator, Gordo stumbles and catches hold of a tablecloth. He pulls it out from under the contents of the table without disturbing any of them as Mr. McGuire is chased out of the kitchen by Cookie, a, the chef at the hotel played by Debbie Reynolds, famous actress, but relevantly to this, she was the grandmother in the Halloween Town movies. Yeah, and just famous in her own right. Yeah, that's what yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Like she's very famous in her own right. In this context, I picked her for being the grandma in the yeah, the other Disney, 
the other Disney mm-hmm. property. I draw a lot from Disney Channel original movies for casting in this. Oh, yeah. She's really pissed at Mr. McGuire for some reason. Like, she seems really pissed off. Uh, the hotel manager calls for, whose name is Giorgio, I think, mm-hmm. the hotel manager, uh, calls for Lizzie to give a speech after her triumphant uh, song. She gives a, she starts giving a small speech. Um, she and Gordo are holding cute hands because Disney. Speech ends. Mr. McGuire doesn't look great. Uh, he actually goes downhill very rapidly and dies within minutes. Whoa, no. Yeah. We give this moment the sadness it deserves. Uh, probably a montage of the other characters shocked, maybe crying like Kate, the popular bully girl, mm-hmm. Ethan, the really dumb kid. The people there are like legitimately shocked that this person that they went to school with, like their dad just died and they were there. Oh my God. Uh, Lizzie is comforting her mother and brother, not crying, staying strong. I, I, Obvi- I immediately regret this. You had to kill, you, you had to kill the dad. Oh yeah. Let's look at what, let's look at my options. Madison. I could have killed the dad, the mom, the younger brother, or one of five 14-year-old children. That's true. You really didn't leave me with much here. Yeah, there really were only two adults there. It had to be the mom or the, the dad. Or, so. or Alex Borstein, but where's the emotional connection? <laughs> hey, she was so, on Family Guy, one of the greatest animated series of true. all time. There is levity in this pitch, I promise. Like this is We have to get through the darkness here yeah. to get to the jokes. Okay. The Adam Lambert career angle is what saved this pitch originally i was going to skew so grimdark as to make it funny that it was so over the top but like i didn't have to so lizzie is comforting her mother and brother not crying staying strong obviously a sad song is playing over the whole scene then detective fabio vinci guerra played by timothy amundsen because luck of the irish came out two years before and went out double down on his accent work is that he was the evil leprechaun oh the guy in psych yes the guy from psych exactly i mean that's obviously more famously from psych and gallivan and other things but again i'm I'm doubling in on yeah disney channel original movie also he did a really unfortunate irish accent in luck of the irish so i'm doubling in on his accent work cool so then detective fabio vinci guerra appears on the scene uh, there's not a lot of evidence that it's nothing more than natural causes, and everyone here is flabbergasted that he thinks a healthy man can suddenly catch sick and then die within minutes, like, naturally. He waffles and tries to get away, uh, and Lizzie, leaving her family and Gordo behind, uh, she follows him and wants to know what he's doing. He confesses that this is his first case and he's not a great detective, <laughs> uh, which is when Gordo steps out of the wardrobe next to them. They'll investigate if he keeps everyone downstairs. He agrees that he can do that much and wanders off in the wrong direction. We hear the hotel manager begin talking to him, some anic- some very boring anecdote about meeting the king of Italy. <laughs> so Gordo and Lizzie start searching the hotel. Uh, in Ungermeyer's room, the TV is on and we see a news broadcast about Paolo, who's uh, pushing through a crowd, like just trying to get away from the flashing lights and crying questions. Uh, one person is holding a picture of Lizzie. He takes it from them and rips it up and keeps moving. In this room, in this room, they find a locked chest. Uh, they, they, you know, try to pull the lock. They can't pick whatever. So Gordo grabs a decorative saw off the wall and uses it to saw the chest in half. Inside, they find a vial of poison. Ooh. They can't let Ungermeyer know that they went through her stuff. So Gordo pushes the two halves back together, spins it around <laughs> twice, and it's in one piece again. 
Okay. Have okay, you figured so... out what career path Adam Lamberg is trying to boost here? So he sawed a a chest in half, uh-huh. and then he took out the contents, mm-hmm. and then he just pushed them back together, and then the chest was in one piece again. The, and he spun it, and it was in one mm-hmm. piece. Yeah, almost as if by carpentry. Yep. <laughs> No, he's a magician. Exactly. So I can return to the title because I called it Lizzie McGuire Movie 2, Who Done It, spelled H O U D O N E hyphen I T, like oh Houdini. My. Oh my God, Mike. This is possibly the most proud of a pun I've been. Like, this is one of my best puns, I think. Okay. Well, we're going to put in, it on the... in this, in this, uh, in our podcast so far. Okay. Well, we're going to put it in the books. Okay. As that, it's. We're taking um. What was one of your what was what one of your past puns that you're really proud of? I mean, I think this and Hercule Poirot are probably tied okay. for my best work. So this bumped Hercule Poirot. No, down. they're tied. They're tied. Okay. I think they're tied. Okay. But most of my Mega Mind puns were good, but I'm very proud of this one. <laughs> it's like a secret pun. Returning to the lobby, Matt wants to talk to Lizzie, uh, but she doesn't seem to have the time. Like he comes up and like wants to, hey, I have Lizzie, and she she kind of brushes them off. Uh, Ethan, the dumb kid, yeah. is in the corner reading the books from the reading list, which legitimately was the one time I laughed at this movie when Ungermeyer comes up to his room and he's like doing something. And she says, why don't you get started on that reading list? And he goes, I finished it. She goes, you read 14 books? And he goes, I read the list, <laughs> which was like the only time I laughed in the whole movie. So... Return to the lobby, Matt wants to talk to Lizzie, but she doesn't have the time. Ethan is in the corner reading the books from the reading list. Gordo asks Ethan what he's doing. Ethan shrugs. He wants to help, but he doesn't know how. Gordo reads books, and he knows how to help, so Ethan's trying. Okay. Aw, Ethan. The hotel manager is telling his dumb, overly long, tedious anecdote about meeting the king of Italy. Uh, Detective Fabio Vinciguera leaps at the chance to talk to literally anyone else, and Lizzie gives him the poison. He asks them where they found it. Their CSI found a puncture wound on Mr. M's back and discoloration that's indicative of this poison. Okay. Emboldened, Gordo and Lizzie go hunting for something that could be used to puncture skin. We see them tearing apart different rooms in the hotel, finding nothing. They're in the kitchen looking through drawers, much to the chagrin of Cookie, the chef, uh, but again, nothing. They found it in Ungermeyer's room, right? The poison, yeah. So, like, is she being, like, arrested or questioned at this point? presumably okay i'm playing a little fast and loose here kind of like this movie would yeah lizzie starts to despair when they hear the sound of a garbage truck out back through a window they see a garbage man collecting the bags of trash from the hotel they race to the door but the truck is pulling away lizzie is freaking out but gordo produces a dove which flies to the garbage truck and pulls (laughs) the bag off the truck is he, is he? He's not in a magician outfit, right? He's in no, his like no, regular just, like whatever he was wearing at the end of the first movie. He's still in those clothes. Yeah, like his typical deal is brightly colored, uh, no. long sleeve shirts over short sleeve shirts. Like yeah. and well, under short sleeve shirts. Under shorts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great style! Long sleeve shirts over short sleeve shirts. Yeah, and we're also touching on a Family Guy joke that exists. Yeah, and I know. like I do not know. I didn't. I didn't mean like with my initial Family Guy reference that, to like tailspin us into like referencing yeah. that. Show. Man, tailspin. We should make more references to the show Tailspin. Um. Hmm. Go ahead. 
Um, the bear that flies the plane. Nice. Good reference. Thank you. So digging through the trash, they find the syringe and leftovers from that day's lunch special. Returning, Matt basically drags them into a side room to show them what he's been getting at Lizzie about. Someone was on his computer and they researched a certain picture. It's a group of soldiers and one of them is Kate's dad. They're discussing this when a hooded figure sweeps in, steals the computer, ties the three of them up, but also puts Gordo into a trunk and locks it. (laughs) Okay. We return to the darkness a little bit here. Forewarning. Okay. Not too bad. Uh, Matt is trying to grapple with the idea that their dad was murdered. And Lizzie says she and Gordo are working on fighting a killer. Matt says it's obvious who did it. Paolo. Revenge for making him look like a fool. Lizzie agrees. She also suspects Paolo. Gordo climbs out of the chest, untied. He brings up the news broadcast. Paolo was across town. There's no way he could have done it. He unties Lizzie and Matt, and Matt whispers, then it was my fault. He references the fact that he brought them here for a misguided blackmail plan. If he hadn't done that, then they'd be at home right now. I like how Gordo, like, he's like a magician detective right now, and it's Mm -hmm. amazing. He, like, just pops out of the the truck. It's like if Watson could also do magic in the Sherlock Holmes stories. And is a four and is a fourteen year old. Yeah, Lizzie hugs him tight, crying silently or slightly. Sorry, the only person to blame is the person who did this. Is what she says to him. She and Gordo go to find Kate. They confront Kate about the picture, but they don't have it, so she can't tell them anything about it. Ethan seems like he vaguely knows what that is. Uh, it's in one of the books on their reading list. Okay. He's having trouble finding that book, though, so Gordo closes his eyes, gestures his hands around the room, and the book slowly slides out from under a pile <laughs> of crumpled clothes. Is he, like, a real, like, is he using real magic? Like, is that, is it, is he, like... I'll never tell. You'll have to take him on pen and tell or fool us. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, the picture is of an army platoon. The book reveals they were suspected, but then cleared, of stealing a shipment of money meant for a third world bank. Did Mr. McGuire find some evidence that would prove Kate's father did it? Did Kate kill him to keep him quiet? Kate denies it. Her father isn't a criminal, and even if he was, she'd never kill anyone. And arguably, they believe her. Like, she seems pretty sincere about that. But why would the killer steal the picture from them, then? Ethan, for some reason, left because he now appears again, looking for a different book. (laughs) He heard the, the manager give another incorrect tidbit and wants to prove him wrong. Lizzie takes the picture book back and flips to the back of the book, scanning. She slams the book shut and says that they need to find Matt's computer. Because she has, like, does a hunt. Yeah. Gordo looks around the room, digs through dresser drawers and closets. Finally, he finds what he's looking for. A hat. Oh, God. Focusing all his attention on the hat, Gordo pulls the laptop out of the hat. What? <laughs> so he's, like, a real magician. Like, he, like, Gordo... In fiction, probably, but in the metas fiction that I've created, they're just showing off Adam Lambert's uh, magic, like sleight of hand magic talents. Sure. But wouldn't that mean he put the laptop in there himself? If it's like actual not magic? Because he's like kind of conjuring things. (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying in fiction, presumably Gordo's actually a wizard. Got it. In, In the meta fiction, it's... Wow, how did he pull a laptop out of a like a hat or whatever? Yeah. 
it's less about in the in fiction it being sleight of hand magic okay necessarily look you you've made me make a murder mystery sequel to the lizzie mcguire movie i don't think you get to nitpick i didn't, I didn't know you were gonna just birth like magic into the lizzie mcguire world <laughs> that's what i was born to do what you're born to do this is your legacy oh man i gave lizzie mcguire magic this podcast is part of our legacy i just want you to know like as a I whole know. I mean, listen, I think about that every day when I make the teasers, <laughs> teaser images. After JF Toad, I I really had to stop and think about the fact that I had made this and it was in the world forever. <laughs> the monsters we've created are greatest abominations. So Gordo pulls the laptop out of the hat and Lizzie sits down and starts typing. We flash to the lobby. This is the parlor scene okay. of every of any mystery. Everyone is gathered. Lizzie begins to outline the facts of the case. At first, she suspected Paolo getting revenge for her role in ruining his career. But Paolo was far away when her father was killed. Um, but his ex-bodyguard was present. I had meant to write Sergei in earlier. In the movie, Paolo had a bodyguard named Sergei who basically kind of grew to like Lizzie as a, like a person. And then when he found out what Paolo had tried to do to her, he quit working for Paolo and he also had the hots for Ungermeyer, so he was kind of at the he was at the party, I think, at the end. Yeah. And I had I had a, I had meant to write him in earlier. I had just either I didn't or I accidentally missed it. So Sergey denies that he did anything. Uh, he seems really hurt that Lizzie thinks he could have done this. Aww. Uh She declares him innocent before moving on to Ungermeyer. They found the poison in her room. This could be revenge for Lizzie slipping her watchful eye for so long. <laughs> Pretty extreme. But yeah. Ungermeyer says that she didn't do it. Besides, if she wanted revenge, she'd kill Gordo for helping her. And it's super weird. Yeah. Okay. So there's like an awkward silence. Yeah. Like she says that, like, she's like, I didn't do it. And besides, if I did want to get revenge, I'd have just killed Gordon. Cause that's his last Gordo is based off Gordon, which is his last name. Yeah. Like, I would just killed Gordon for helping you. And then everybody just like sits on that for a minute that she just said that out loud. I mean, I could believe that she basically dunked on Gordo the entire yeah. movie. Every single time he was trying to be nice or helpful or like, Kind of like show offy, I guess. She's just like, well, you're just a little brown noser, aren't you? You little shit. <laughs> Fuck you, Gordo. Fuck you, Gordo. So Lizzie points out that it's not impossible that the poison was planted by someone with access to the keys. Someone like the chef. Holy shit. Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Lizzie produces the syringe they found in the trash among the leftovers of the day's lunch special. Cookie seemed pretty pissed at her dad. What was she so mad about? Was she pissed enough to commit murder? Cookie claims she was pissed because she caught Mr. McGuire trying to steal hors d'oeuvres, and she takes her job very seriously. Detective Fabio Vinciguera lets her off the hook. Apparently, the amount of poison in Mr. McGuire's system would have been inedible. I had meant to, I was like taking a shitload of notes at this point. I had meant to imply that she poisoned the food. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, so Detective Fabio Vinciguera Let's her off the hook. Apparently, the amount of poison in Mr. Wire's system would have been inedible. So, is is has there been like a toxicology, like toxicologist, like here I mean, that like? I think I'm thinking that there was just so much poison. Okay. That like in his system, like the CSI probably was like this for this effect to like for him to die this quickly. Mm -hmm. Probably was this like this amount. It's not like a hard and fast case because I did at one point have toxicology as like a thing but then i was like there's no way they would have had this in like 90 minutes yeah okay the, uh, so detective fabio vinciguera lets her off the hook blah, blah blah lizzie agrees then brings out the book with the picture 
She recaps what we learned about it. She brings up that someone had searched it on Matt's computer. She believes her father was the one. Her father discovered something someone want, kept, wanted kept quiet. Kate gets angry again. Her dad is innocent. Lizzie knows and says it's not about who's in the picture. It's about who took the picture. She holds open the book to the back. Obviously, no one can read it, and they all hilariously like crane and squint, trying to read the small print from, you know, all around the lobby. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it about to be revealed? Yeah. Uh, Giorgio. The name in the back of the book is Leonard Scorpio. Leonard Scorpio. This clearly doesn't mean anything to anyone. Lizzie produces the laptop with a full-screen wanted poster for Leonard Scorpio. Everyone gasps, but they actually don't recognize him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lizzie nods to Gordo, who steps forward with a fake mustache in hand. He asks Mrs. McGuire to inspect it to make sure it's real. She does and confirms that it is a real fake mustache. Gordo closes his eyes and exhales slowly. Then he throws the mustache at the computer. Miraculously, it's not only on the lip of the picture. The picture now has a mustache. It's not like resting on the screen of the laptop. It's as if the picture is of a man with a mustache. Okay, Gordo made like a demon pact in Rome. Like somewhere, like maybe like... Oh, no, the obvious answer is Isabella is a witch and she gave him powers for helping her stop Paolo like or obviously or there's a deleted scene from the first movie where we see Gordo's wish and his Mm. wish is to have okay let's come back to this I want to come back let me finish the pitch let me finish my pitch and we but I do want to come back to this when the pitch is over okay so it's not sitting on the screen it's as if the picture is of a man with a mustache and that man is the hotel manager yes he denies it, of course. He's not even American. He was in the Italian intelligence service. He met the king last year. Ethan speaks up and says that the monarchy of Italy was dissolved in 1946, and the last king, Umberto II, died in 1983. <laughs> I really like how this dude, like, thought that he was going to, like, feel, it's like, oh, everyone here in this, in this like, hotel is American, and they don't know, like, Italian, like, Yeah, government. well, and also... I went with that because the, the guy who plays Giorgio is another Disney Channel original movie alum. He is? Uh, Jody Rackacott or something like that. And is an American person doing a very shitty Italian accent. Yeah. So I just ran with that. Everyone looks at Ethan stunned that he knew this like ridiculously detailed fact. Yeah. The manager uses this chance to bolt. As Lizzie, Gordo, Matt, Ungermeyer, Mrs. M, and Sergey give chase, Ethan's face lights up. Did I help? <laughs> Uh, They make it out the the back of the hotel, and they see the hotel manager running on the other side of a sizable fountain. Everyone despairs that he'll get away, but Gordo charges, lightly jumps the side of the fountain, and runs across the top of the water, tackling the hotel manager. (laughs) (laughs) Tackling the hotel manager, who has stopped to watch in awe. The others run around the fountain, and Sergei picks up the hotel manager. We cut back to the lobby where Detective Fabio Vinciguera is talking to the cast. The manager, the wanted man, Leonard Scorpio, stole the money and went to ground. He assumed the identity of Giorgio, the hotel manager. He's let out in handcuffs as Detective Fabio Vinciguera wraps up talking to them. Uh, we cut to just after Mr. McGuire's funeral. This is in it. We're back in America. Everyone is leaving. Lizzie is standing alone, silently crying. Gordo stands next to her. They look at each other. He holds up a magic wand. He flicks it, and it's a bouquet of roses, which he lays on the grave. 
they have that PG Disney smooch like in the first movie and stand holding hands as we fade to black. End of movie. Okay. I have two suggestions. I touched on it a little bit, but Gordo made his wish in the first movie Mm -hmm. for, you think he'd do it for like love or something, but he, he actually, he actually made his wish for demonic like abilities. And that explains his entire magic. I think think it makes more sense as for the character of Gordo, but the Gordo that we've seen, I think it makes more sense if Isabella is just like, look, you did me a real solid here. So, and then she just like gives him these demonic powers Okay, as like recompense for helping her salvage her music career. Yeah. And I have an alternate, alternate ending. Oh, all right. Hit me with that. So after they catch his killer and everything and the dude goes to jail, Gordo has a final trick that he wants to do. And he relinquishes his, his magic powers to bring Mr. M back to life. I had thought about that, that he brought him back to life, but I also wasn't sure how you'd feel about that because then nobody really died. And it, I was tasked with creating a murder mystery where somebody in the main cast died. I, I, I like it because it's kind of this like full circle. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> like the, we we used like the powers for this movie and now he doesn't have them anymore. He's just not this like kind of living God on this earth now. Yeah, that probably makes sense. I, like I said, I didn't really stop to think about in fiction, how he's basically doing real magic at some point. Most likely it was mostly, Hey, watch how watch Adam Lambert do this cool magic trick in this movie. So like I was saying, logically, as you pointed out in fiction, Gordo's a wizard now uh but really in the metafiction it's just so that adam lambert could show off his sleight of hand magic tricks yeah uh but to to resurrect mr m he does need a diamond worth at least a thousand gp that's a pretty sick uh revivify joke yeah shout out to wizards of the coast yeah but yeah i i fucking love that i uh, yeah the gordo magic edition saves the movie or like it makes the movie for me yeah because again like at first i was like okay so i guess like in my notes it was like okay who dies it's like well gordo okay how is he killed and i was really like shot stabbed poisoned i guess that's the most like that's the thing that disney would allow because you don't have to show them getting killed i was like fuck okay i guess i'm gonna poison gordo who does it ungermeyer you guys all the stuff i was like no we'll do something else and then it was still like super bummer and then I came up with the idea of like, oh, what if it's we're trying to boost Adam Lambert's magic career, which I Googled it. I cannot find if he ever has performed sleight of hand magic, <laughs> whatever, but I can't find that he didn't. Yeah, so so this movie exists in that gray area of his, uh, yeah. his IMDb page, somewhere between the reporter's arm and his head and his IMDb page. There is a rabbit like in the background if you look very close to well there you go proof positive yeah. you heard it here folks adam yeah. lambert is really good at magic yeah and mainly i just want people to go look at that photo because it's hilarious yeah but yeah i i like that maybe I, and maybe like to add to the fiction a little bit more because i did think i did notice in your pitch mm-hmm. i think his magic builds over time and That's he, he, he can do greater and greater things as it as it goes well i on. kind of end i end with a little yeah. I guess in in fiction, running across water, yeah, is pretty ridiculous. But like, like he said, he pulls a laptop out of a hat, and then he throws a fake mustache through the internet onto a digital photo. Like, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. The, the rose thing at the end, I just thought was like, that's a classic, and that would be a neat touch for the funeral. 
Yeah, that'd still be a cute thing in the end if, like, we do the alternate ending. Like, mm-hmm. it's like it's actually just a regular sleight of hand, like magic trick, you know. Yeah. After he's lost the powers, and it's and so then I would cute. I would have him bring back Mister McGuire. Yeah. At some point at the hotel. Yeah. So then at the end, it would be sleight of hand magic, like this is about the best I can do these days, or something like that. But yeah. I I'm sticking with my ending. Okay. I know I know we're calling yours the alternate ending, which is fine. And like, I that's nice. I I. I'm trying to keep Gordo as God as a sort of <laughs> fan theory than than canon. Okay. I mean, yeah, like arguably at some point Gordo, if it's sleight of hand, Gordo Gordo had the laptop stashed somewhere on his person. Mm-hmm. But I'm I don't think that if this were actually made, Disney wouldn't give a shit about that. Yeah. That's true. So I'm I'm gonna stick with my with this vision, but I do like this alternate like alternate theory that Gordo was granted demonic magic powers by Isabella. <laughs> so I think yeah, I think that's the fan theory kind of thing that I won't I won't say if it is or isn't canon. That's how he got these magic powers. But I think I I don't know. I just feel like it's. The movie almost means nothing if Mr. McGuire comes back yeah. at the end. And I guess like Gordo giving up his powers so Lizzie's dad could come back would have that emotional beat, but I haven't been leaning on. Obviously, I didn't lean on their character interactions. Mm-hmm. But Okay. All right. Madison, I think that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Tell the people where they can find us. The people can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are found by searching the equalizers you can uh, head down to your local podcast diner and get a big slice of the equalizers go to your um <laughs> you can go to your is this where your notes <laughs> start <laughs> hold on you can go to your italian fountains stick your hand in pull up those good podcast wishes out of there you can also get find us on Facebook and Twitter at the Equalizers, Gmail Equalizers at gmail.com, Instagram at the underscore Equalizers. And as always, that's spelled E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S. Uh, thanks on our opening and closing music, Rock Thing by Creo. You can find their music at www.creo-music.com. Be awesome if you would subscribe and review, rate and review, give us the that uh that sweet iTunes juice little internet pat on the back. Give us that those those audio smooches. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's better. Give us a little audio smooch of <laughs> of rate and reviews. <laughs> so for the equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. You're a wizard, Gordon. To be continued.